Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Good to be back with you. Hope all is well in your world. A lot of things to talk about during the course of the broadcast today. The international news, of course, is nonstop, as is domestic and local. There's always something going on. Coming up, we'll talk about the Uniparty's new effort to push through an immigration deal. These folks just do not stop. They don't have much energy, motivation, interest in protecting the American people. They do have a lot of interest in feathering their own nests. We will talk about what these folks are up to. And I remind you, it's Democrats and Republicans working on this. Imagine you put together legislation to keep out people who have driven drunk as illegal aliens. Can you imagine that well over a hundred people voted against this legislation? You want to talk about unfaithful to this country. This is absolutely mind-boggling. We're going to tell you about this legislation, what it was supposed to do, and what hopefully it will still do, that is, if it makes it through the Senate. We'll discuss that coming up. I think one of the most reprehensible things that a person can do is to lie to promote one's political interests, especially when it comes to exploiting someone who's lost loved ones. Well, your president has done this yet again. Mr. Magoo has told another whopper. It's a whopper he's told over and over again. You're going to hear what he had to say to the parents, one of the soldiers who died in Syria over the weekend. It's just reprehensible what this man continues to do. We've been telling you for days now how there is a growing chorus that is developing on the subject of a two-state solution. In other words, statehood for Palestine, what really amounts to a reward for the terrorism of Hamas. You're going to hear... One of these uniparty leaders, this one in the United Kingdom, speaking the virtues of a two-state solution, that is coming up. Faith Focus Friday. We'll talk about what's gone on on the economic front in the church system. A really good social media post from my good friend Lauren about how churches started off and where we are now. It's a very interesting contrast 
Time permitting, we'll also have a little fun here with the whole Taylor Swift thing. I've just never seen such nonsense in all my life. The conspiracy theories swirling around Taylor Swift and her alleged effort to bring about the re-election of Joe Biden. I'm terrified. I'm sure you can detect the sarcasm in my voice. We'll address that coming up a little later on. I'm very glad to start off with some very good news on several fronts. Can I just repeat what I've said a number of times about America? America works. And that's the key thing. I'm not talking about presidents. I'm not talking about political parties. I'm saying America works. Our free enterprise system, our people, given the opportunity, because we work our rear ends off, we are motivated, we have a strong work ethic, America works. Let me give you a couple of examples of some things that are working well right now. Great story by Reuters. Rising U.S. oil production frustrates OPEC plus and their cuts. I think that's absolutely awesome. Remember we've told you about how OPEC was cutting back the supply? They're trying to drive up prices. But there's something that's not allowing this to work in the fashion that they intended. It's our own oil and gas production. Reuters reports U.S. oil and gas drilling has slowed in response to the fall in prices over the last 18 months that is not yet translated into slower production, keeping prices under pressure. Exploration and production firms have continued to increase output despite drilling fewer wells by concentrating on the best sites, accelerating drilling times, and boring longer horizontal sections for each well. In the oil market... Efficiency gains have frustrated efforts by Saudi Arabia and its allies in OPEC to drain global oil inventories and boost prices. In gas, there's no equivalent of OPEC. Continued production growth has kept prices close to three-decade lows in real terms. The critical question is how much longer efficiency gains can keep driving significant output growth without an increase in prices and in drilling. Bottom line here, America is the largest producer in the world. A record 13.3 million barrels a day last week. And this is what has kept a cap on prices. This is absolutely awesome. And I would say this, despite the efforts by this administration, with its anti-fossil fuel policies, America still works. This is absolutely awesome. And hopefully this is something that can be further encouraged with the right kind of political leadership which will not put barriers in place, but encourage more of this activity. 
like reviving the Keystone Pipeline. Wouldn't that be awesome if we can start doing that a year from now? We can hope. And there's more good news on the economic front. And it relates to jobs and pay. We will talk about this. And you will hear a very excited commentator touting some of the economic news that is reported today. We'll get to that and much more as we continue our Friday broadcast. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're not going to find anybody more supportive and excited about America than myself. Very much a believer in what America is about. All you have to do is just leave us alone. And we get it done. That's what happens. So we have yet more good news to report It's a good jobs report. The economy added 353,000 jobs in January, much better than expected. 353,000. And the unemployment rate, 3.7%. That's pretty good. In fact, one commentator on CNBC is quite excited about what has come out today. Here is just a clip of Rick Santelli touting all of the benefits of the economic news. Listen up. It's the first jobs report. Jobs, jobs, jobs of 24 is out, and it is whopper 353,000. 353,000. We have to go in the Wayback Machine. That is the biggest non-farm payroll gains since January of 23, when it was 472,000. And if we look at the unemployment rate, it is 3.7. It's remained at 3.7. And just for history's sake, uh, the 3.4 low that we had uh, was the lowest since 1953. That was in April of last year. If we look at the average hourly earnings, a huge jump up six tenths of a percent, up six tenths of a percent. Uh, it, it equals March of 22. Uh, to find a higher number, you have to go to January of 22. And also, for some context there, uh, the amount of year over year is also popping 4.5%. We were expecting 4.1. The year-over-year average hourly earnings began as a data set in 2007. Pre-COVID, all the way to when it started, the high was 3.6. It's 4.5. 4.5 is the highest level going back to February of 23. That is good stuff. 
great economic news. And because I am a person who supports America, I don't give a rat's rear in who's in the White House, who is in Congress. I can celebrate what's happening with America. And it's not because of a president or Congress. It's because of Americans who make this happen day after day after day. People like you. You're part of this. And don't let anybody tell you anything different. It's interesting. One of our regular listeners, Chris, sent this message about job numbers. Raising the question, I wonder how many of those are illegal immigrants. Surely not. (laughs) Speaking of, I wanted to tell you about some of the treachery that is underway behind the scenes. And we've told you about some of the folks who are involved in this and have been really for years. They've been trying to do this behind our backs. And it's really interesting because I think at some point the numbers have been there. But I think there's just enough fear that keeps these folks from passing some sort of comprehensive immigration reform. I will tell you, it's not what Americans want. We just want our border enforced. Then we can have a conversation about other aspects of immigration. Do you remember back when we had Obamacare getting worked out And we had the Wicked Witch of the West, as in Nancy Pelosi, who goes on television and says, we have to pass it now so we can find out what's in it. You remember that nonsense? Well, here we are again. Breitbart reports, you have to pass it to find out what's in it. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer will jam the Senate next week with a long-awaited migration-expanding border plan with tens of billions in Ukraine aid to boot. The public has not yet seen the details of the legislation and will have little time to examine the extraordinary implications of the deal before their senators vote. This is one of their favorite tricks. Very often, when there's legislation they know that you do not like, they will give just enough time And when I say just enough time, I'm talking about time to vote, not time to read. Because they don't even want the legislators reading this. Schumer said the text will be revealed by Sunday with procedural measures setting up the bill's pathway through the Senate beginning Monday, enabling a possible vote on final passage by the end of the week. The rushed schedule is not a surprise. Senator Kirsten Sinema One of three lead negotiators has said she wants to rush the deal through the Senate before the public can react. Do you see who these people are? You know, Miss Cinema ought to just take her rear end home. Just go home. If this is your attitude, you have such contempt for the American people. You've got to do things, rush things through before people find out what's in it. Just go home. This week, Senator Mike Lee, 
ushered a resolution through the Senate Republican Conference to ensure senators had at least two to three weeks to review any deal. Notably, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, perhaps Washington's most fervent admirer of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and proponent of military, humanitarian, and economic aid to Ukraine, voted against Lee's resolution. Well, of course he did. I don't know why we need time to read this stuff. I ain't going to read it anyway. I just know we need comprehensive immigration reform. And if we got to get it done without the American people knowing what's in it, that's the way we got to do it. That's why I'm here, to get things done for the American people. That way, we can celebrate over my next game of shuffleboard with Joe Biden. My goodness. These people really do have a lot of nerve, don't they? They really don't care about you and what you think. And then we have another aspect of all of this. I go back to years ago when, at the time... My wife-to-be was pursuing citizenship here in the United States of America. And I remember looking over some of the paperwork. One of the things, uh, there were really two things that were critical in the paperwork for immigration. One of them is, you're not going to be a public charge. In other words, you're not going to come here and basically sit on your ass and expect the federal government to take care of you. The other thing is you're not going to be a criminal. Well, this doesn't seem to matter to some of the morons, some of the criminals. Yes, I say that because we have people who are facilitating crime in our legislature. The story I'm going to share with you next is just going to blow your mind. You would think, I mean, just pick any, just about any crime serious crime you would think you'd have 100% support for keeping lawbreakers out of the country I mean that's a no-brainer isn't it you know and I'm kind of curious you know I, I raise this question all the time if you were to just find 435 random people How many people, out of that 435 random people, how many of them do you think would support the idea of letting criminals into the United States of America? I think that number will be very low. We're going to talk about what some House Democrats voted against as we continue our Friday broadcast. You know, for me, it's a no-brainer. If you are a lawbreaker, I mean, you think about all of the law-abiding people around the world, no matter who they are, trying to get into the United States of America. They deserve priority. If you're going to consider people to come into the United States, period, you certainly want to weed out criminals, That's a pretty basic thing. 
Breitbart reports the overwhelming majority of House Democrats voted against legislation this week that would make sure illegal alien drunk drivers are deported from the United States following their convictions. We're not talking about allegations. We're not talking about charges. We're talking about convictions. And we've got Democrats who say, you know, that's no big deal. Let them stay here anyway. On Wednesday, 150 House Democrats voted against the Protect Our Communities from DUIs Act. Legislation from Representative Barry Moore from Alabama. It would make drunk driving grounds for ineligibility to be in the U.S. In practice, the law would ensure immigration and customs enforcement agents can swiftly take illegal aliens convicted of drunk driving into their custody so they can be deported. Only 59 House Democrats broke ranks with their party leadership, joining 215 House Republicans to ultimately pass the bill. This is crazy, isn't it? 55. Those are the only Democrats who could look beyond politics to focus on protecting Americans. I want you to listen to Barry Moore as he speaks on a couple of issues. The first cut is where he talks about the impact of drunk driving illegals. Listen up. Every 45 minutes, that is how often someone in the United States dies in a crash involving an alcohol-impaired driver. In 2021 alone, there were 13,384 alcohol-impaired driving fatalities. In the same year, drunk drivers or drunk driving crashes led to nearly 400,000 injuries. Those crashes don't discriminate. The victim could be me, it could be you, it could be one of our family members. This issue hits close to home for me. There was a newlywed couple from my hometown of Enterprise, Alabama, named Angel and Jeremy C. I knew them personally. Angel and Jeremy were riding a motorcycle together when out of nowhere an illegal alien under the influence of alcohol collided into their newlyweds with his pickup. Their lives were cut dramatically short. Sadly, tragedies like this are not uncommon across our country. Consider this case from Missouri where just two months ago an illegal alien from Honduras was sentenced for driving drunk at 100 miles per hour and killing a man. This is all we need, isn't it? And we don't have enough people here in this country killing people with drunk driving and otherwise. Let's import some more. This is the kind of thing you you really have to ask these 150 House Democrats. How stupid are you? I will refrain from a thought that just went through my head. I'm trying to stay under control here. In this second cut, Barry Moore addresses Democrat opposition to his legislation and the flimsy excuses that they offer. Listen up. Now, if you listen to Democrat colleagues or listen to my Democratic colleagues, you may think drunk driving is no big deal. In fact, at a Judiciary Committee markup in 2021, my Democratic colleagues voted down three Republican amendments that would have made certain aliens ineligible for green cards if they had one, two, or even ten or more DUI convictions. But that should come as no surprise 
In 2020, then-candidate Joe Biden said that illegal aliens with DUI convictions should be allowed to stay in the United States. Biden asserted that I should not arrest aliens with drunk driving convictions because you only arrest for the purpose of <clears throat> dealing with felonies that are committed. I don't count drunk driving as a felony. Candidate Biden even called for ICE officers to be fired if they arrested aliens without felony convictions. To President Biden and my Democratic colleagues, today we say absolutely not. If you are a guest in this country, you drive drunk, you should be removed from our country, period. Instead of hearing, of, instead of hearing agreement on this from Democrats today, we will hear these far-fetched hypotheticals and accusations that this bill is cruel and too broad. But instead of engaging in hypotheticals, let's again revisit the facts. Drunk drivers involved in 31% of all crashes, deaths, all crash deaths in this country. On average, drunk driving has killed nearly 11,000 people in the United States every year from 2012 to 2021. Yet, immigration laws do not explicitly make aliens inadmissible or removable if they drive drunk or recklessly break our laws. H.R. 6976 changes that and it creates safer streets and safer communities for all of us. I urge my colleagues to support the Protect Our Communities from DUIs Act. Now, who in the right mind would not support this? Again, 150 House Democrats voted against this. Which reminds me again, this is a party, and I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this is an anti-American party. This is an anti-human party. Because clearly, political considerations are a greater consideration than human lives. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You know, it's amazing on the subject of illegal immigration. I want you to imagine a moment. You've got a guest who comes over to your house. And during the course of their visit to your home, I don't know, let's say a couple comes in and you serve them a meal. And during the meal... You know, the conversation maybe takes a turn, and at some point, as they are getting ready to go, they get offended by something. And let's say, um, let's say the guy slaps your wife. I mean, not a nice little, I mean, not a, <laughs> nothing nice about slapping anybody, but not a little touch, but just, just hauls off and slaps your wife. Now, I'm curious. Are you going to invite them back to dinner? I'm just curious. I mean, how long do you want these folks to stay in your house? Well, it's, it's, it's actually worse than that. Let's say you didn't invite them over at all. And they just barged into your house and started eating food at your table. You were upstairs and you come downstairs to find strangers in your house. Like, what in the world? What's going on here? That's what's happening to our country right now. We've got pe people essentially just breaking in, 
making themselves at home, to the point of committing crimes with impunity, and nobody cares. By now, surely you've seen the story of what happened in New York City. Migrants who attacked NYPD cops? New York Post has a very, very powerful editorial on this subject. I mean, who can argue with this? Deport the cop beaters. The city's migrant crisis just went from maddening to completely insane as illegal migrants who beat cops in the middle of Times Square were let go with no bail, then returned to the taxpayer-funded shelter rooms. (laughs) This is crazy. President Biden's policies granted them humanitarian parole to pursue their asylum claims, but they've plainly violated that parole. Video from Saturday night shows the migrants swarming a pair of NYPD officers, one a lieutenant, near Times Square, raining kicks on their heads and bodies, simply because the cops told some of them to move along. How dare they? A chase nabbed five suspects, all charged with assault, then let go. By the way, cops are hunting for three more. Police sources ID the five as here from Venezuela. And tell the Post that one, Yorman Reveron has two open cases in Manhattan for assault and robbery. What an upstanding citizen. Yet none locked up at Rikers, let alone in ICE custody for deportation proceedings. Blame New York's lax laws and lame prosecutors for the first, and our sanctuary city rules for the second. Oh, and blame Biden. For them being here at all. U.S. law in no way grants entry to asylum seekers who crossed another safe nation on the way here and can't prove they sought asylum there. In a non-sanctuary city, a caught-on-video crime would have them in ice hands already. In Gotham, the legal case has to be concluded first. That's why Reveron was still loose and living in a taxpayer-funded shelter. It's shameful. Of course, New York lefties would surely rally to block any effort to hand them over. Isn't this crazy? (laughs) This is another example of policies you can only describe as being suicidal. It's suicidal. You're just going to allow people into your country to commit crimes with impunity and then you're going to continue to put them up provide accommodations for them (laughs) this is just absolutely insane but I can't say it surprises me anymore this is what I have come to expect from people who are more political than they are human they have stronger political sensibilities than they do common sense This is what you get. Just beautiful, isn't it? And then we turn to, speaking of political animals, Mr. Magoo, the man who doesn't know his head from his rear end. I continue to be so grieved 
for those folks who lost loved ones from the attack, the drone attack that happened last weekend. There was a call that was placed to one of the families, Sean Sanders, Onita Oliver Sanders. The call to provide condolences to them with the loss of their daughter. And, you know, to give some praise where it is due, they have posthumously promoted their daughter to sergeant. Where things go south in this phone call is when Joe Biden, in an effort to try to show how much he identifies with these fine folks, he repeats a lie that he's told over and over and over and over again. I want you to listen to this phone call where Joe Biden essentially lies about his own son to try to sound like he is a person who is empathetic to this family. Listen up. Oh, well, i tell you what, it means a lot to, lot to me. Uh, my son spent a year in Iraq until I lost him. And uh, I, uh, you know, 1%, 1% of all these kids are the ones that uh, take care of 99% of us. And you can hear this poor woman crying in the background. In contrast to his claims, Fox News reports that Bo Biden died from glioblastoma, the most common form of brain cancer. May 2015, Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland. He did serve a tour in Iraq from 2008 to 2009. No. The president maintains his son's illness may have been caused by toxic burn pits in Iraq, but on several occasions he spoke about his son dying in Iraq. A speech in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. I lost my son. We lost our son in Iraq. This was a claim from last year. Made the same claim about his son's death a month earlier, May 2023 while speaking to Marines stationed in Japan. Made the same false claim about his son, Bo, in 2022, telling a crowd in Colorado his son lost his life in Iraq. I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. That was in Vail, Colorado. Also referencing his son in a 2019 speech. Because of exposure to burn pits, in my view, I can't prove it yet. He came back with stage four, stage four glioblastoma. 18 months he lived knowing he was going to die. Now, we can have a conversation about whether this played a role in his death. We do know for sure that Bo Biden did not die in Iraq. He did not. Ben Dominich, one of my favorite writers, says very simply, stop. Just stop lying about this. This is really reprehensible, isn't it? 
And this is your president, Mr. Magoo, who seems to have no conscience about this whatsoever. Still to come, we will talk about the U.S. response to the drone attack last weekend, Palestine, and Faith Focus Friday. Stay with us. And welcome to our number two of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Glad you are with us. We continue with conversation about the potential military strikes that could be coming, really in a matter of days, to respond to the drone attack, the fatal drone attack from last weekend. Also, we will... <laughs> Address this subject that I, it, it still blows my mind how clueless politicians can be when they pursue a policy for decades. And clearly, there's no indication that policy is going to work, but they double down and triple down and quadruple down. You will hear from a politician doing just that as we continue our broadcast. First, Faith Focus Friday. It's really very simple. Very simple. One of the things I love about Paul, as in the man who was an apostle, he said something that's really profound about his willingness to spend and be spent to spend and be spent this was a man who was all about serving he was not looking for a platform somewhere or honorariums he was a man who had a desire to pour into the lives of people that he loved and served unfortunately much of Western so-called Christianity is I think the word that just comes to mind right now is greedy. We are consumers here in the Western world. We want stuff. We want things. We want comfort. So, so many of the resources, rather than building a culture of pouring out our lives, we first off are giving our lives to just as much consumerism as the non-Christian people around us. And even when we come together to do allegedly Christian stuff, our resources, much of the time, end up being spent on us. Someone had a post like this on social media some time ago. I wish I saved it. It probably is saved somewhere. Let me share this post with you from my friend Lauren, because it's really convicting. It ought to be. When the tax-exempt status was given to religious organizations, it was because they were the welfare providers in their communities. They provided food and clothing for the poor, took care of the sick, housed the homeless, visited and cared for prisoners, and so forth. 
Now, when you look at churches' budgets and activities, it's mostly self-serving. Some may argue they have a food closet, but if you compare the money set aside for that work and the number of people involved, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the overall budget and volunteerism. Most churches, not all, have become self-serving organizations that spend more time navel-gazing, serving their own selfish interests, than actually seeking to ease the suffering of others. They see their spiritual activity and their own wants as being more important than the physical world around them. What they fail to grasp is the gospel and justice, caring for others is the actual definition of justice, are married. You can't have one without the other. We've lost the plot. Lauren is so right. What do we do about this? We, we have to begin examining our own hearts. What are our lives really given for? I'm trying to remember way, way back. There was some story about giving to the Lord. And it was something about, you know, of course, the Old Testament teaching of tithing, which I do not believe in. And there was a guy who heard the message about giving to the Lord. So, okay, I need to give a portion of what I have to the Lord. So his next step is to eat an apple. And so he ate the apple and he gave God the core. (laughs) That was intended to be humorous and yet at the same time, kind of a biting assessment of what some of us do. The, the point is, we're all, uh, we've got to be all in. And I'm convinced that we become distracted. Our culture of consumerism has driven many of us to become preoccupied and distracted away from what our real mission is. I, I, I'm, I want you to understand, I'm not claiming to be an expert here. I'm evaluating some of these very things right now. And, and this is how practical it is. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm, let me just tell you one of the issues I'm wrestling with. I've got a friend who, um, a young man who's had a really rough life, really rough life. Car has been in the shop for a while and they're having a hard time figuring out what's wrong with this car. And I've been wrestling with, I've got two working cars. Why is there a reason I should not provide my car, at least for a season, to keep this person from having to use Uber or Lyft every single day? This is how practical the gospel is. I mean, isn't there a part where he says, you've got two coats? Give one away? This is where the rubber hits the road. And, and, I'm, and I tell you, this is very practical because I had the conversation with this person just last night about his current situation. So um, I'm going to be praying more on that to discern what, what, Lord, what do you want me to do? I can talk about how much I love people. 
in general. The question is, how much do I love people in particular? General versus particular. It's always it's always fun to talk about theoretical things, isn't it? Until the rubber hits the road and you got to get too real practical. Okay, what am I really doing here? So, I'll be curious to get your thoughts on this. Still to come in the broadcast, we will talk about the plans in the works to respond to last weekend's drone attack. Also, the broader picture of the Middle East and the push that we're hearing lately, beginning with the United Kingdom, to recognize Palestine as a state. And if time permits, we'll have a little bit of fun with this entire nonsense going on about Taylor Swift. It it just blows my mind. (laughs) And you'll hear from one of the most colorful political analysts on the planet. I'll give you a hint. Rush used to call this guy Serpent Head. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So we're approaching a week since the drone attacks on our personnel. CBS News is now reporting plans are in the works for U.S. strikes on Iranian personnel and facilities in Iraq and Syria. U.S. officials have confirmed to CBS News plans have been approved for a series of strikes over a number of days against targets including Iranian personnel and facilities inside of Iraq and Syria. The strikes will come in response to drone and rocket attacks targeting U.S. forces in the region, including the drone attack on Sunday that killed three U.S. service members at the Tower 22 base inside Jordan near the Syrian border. Speaking at the Pentagon yesterday, and we heard part of this news conference with Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin telling reporters the U.S. will not tolerate attacks on American troops. Austin saying this is a dangerous moment in the Middle East. Noting Israel's ongoing war against Hamas in the Gaza Strip and attacks by Houthi rebels in Yemen on commercial shipping in the Red Sea were also happening in the region. We will continue to work to avoid a wider conflict in the region, but we will take all Necessary actions to defend the United States, our interests, and our people. And we will respond when we choose, where we choose, and how we choose. U.S. officials told CBS News weather will be a major factor in the timing of the strikes. As the U.S. has the capability to carry out strikes in bad weather, but prefers to have better visibility of selected targets as a safeguard against inadvertently hitting civilians who might stray into the area at the last moment. So, don't be surprised that if any day, today, 
tomorrow, perhaps Sunday, we see the United States begin to respond to the attacks that occurred last weekend. And we hope this is something that is able to be contained, that this does not lead to a wider war, a wider conflict. I want to talk about something that is, I think for many of you, it's common sense. Think about what these pointy-headed diplomats have been promoting for years. You know, I, I used to really get annoyed when I'd see James Baker and all of these people. And so you have to understand this is not a political thing for me. I'm not looking at Democrats and cheering and looking at Republicans uh, not rephrase that, not looking at Republicans and cheering and looking at Democrats and saying, you know, how disgusting. I'm looking at all of them because they've all followed the same policy over the years. And this policy has been to try to strong arm Israel to the table to give up land for peace. Let me just give you a little help here. And, and most of you don't need this help because you already know this by common sense. Just like our efforts to set up democracy in Iraq and in Afghanistan, we see how well that's worked, right? Why has that been a failure? It's been a failure because these folks do not have a culture that is amenable to the kind of government that we might like to have there. It's just not realistic. And so you can't just come in and put in a, go a government, install government, and that's going to take care of everything. It's not. Because you don't have an established culture. The same thing with this entire matter of Israel and its existence in that region. The culture outside of Israel is one of hostility. With most of the people in the region believing that Israel is completely illegitimate. And the idea of putting together some sort of deal and imposing it upon people, that somehow, if people just sign a piece of paper and they have some sort of summit, and there are cameras and a big announcement, all of a sudden everything's going to be wonderful. It's a joke. Because at the core, the people in these places have nothing but contempt for Israel. They do not believe they should exist. So while Israel might be willing to give up land and say, hey, here's your land, it will not be a situation that will be safe for Israel. Because these areas will continue to be staging areas for terror attacks. Now the people who don't get this are just stupid. There's really no other way to put it. And then there are other people. I think they I think they do get it. They do understand. And frankly, they don't care. Because what matters is the news conference where they are parading before everybody and showing them what wonderful peacemakers they are. And maybe for a year or two this might have a semblance of working. But ultimately, when you have people who, as I described, have contempt 
for Israel. This isn't going to last. So bring on the latest moron to the stage, David Cameron, former prime minister. Remember some days ago we told you about his suggestion that now is the time to talk about a Palestinian state. Well, now he said yesterday's country could officially recognize a Palestinian state after a ceasefire in Gaza without waiting for the outcome of what could be years-long talks between Israel and Palestinians on a two-state solution. He said no recognition could come while Hamas remained in Gaza. But it could take place while Israeli negotiations with Palestinian leaders were continuing. I want you to hear the words here of David Cameron. This, this is supposed to be one of our leaders that we look to who is allegedly wise and is um, skillful in areas of diplomacy. Here's David Cameron. What we've always said is we believe in a two-state solution, a secure Israel within its borders and a secure and stable Palestine within its borders. That's long been our position. And of course, as part of that, Britain, along with other countries, would recognize Palestine as a country and recognize Palestine at the United Nations. And what I'm saying is, of course, that can't come at the start of the process, but it doesn't have to be the very end of the process. It could be something that we consider as this process, as this advance to a solution uh, becomes more real. What we need to do is give the Palestinian people a horizon towards a better future, the future of having a state of their own, uh, because I think that is absolutely vital for the long-term peace and security of the region. Isn't that just wonderful? So we, we're just gonna, we'll all come together and sing Kumbaya. I mean, it's, this is so naive. This is what's so sad about this. It's incredibly naive. Because it, at the heart of all of this, you do not have people who even have respect for their neighbors. Not in the least bit. So without, you know, the second best solution, if you have people who are living in a place of hostility to their neighbors, the next best solution is to put in some sort of international peace force to basically make sure that groups like Hamas and others are not operating within the boundaries of this so-called state. I think that's the only way you're going to be able to accomplish this. And my question is, why have we not seen this before now? Well, it comes down to the fact that I don't think there are countries that are really interested in being truly invested here. You see, you can do all kinds of talk. And it's great to talk about diplomacy and to look good. It's another thing to make a commitment. For instance, have we heard David Cameron offer to put British troops in the area to make sure that this area is not militarized in any way? Of course not. He doesn't want the political consequences of that. See, it's very easy to run off your mouth. It's very difficult to come up with actual solutions 
that will make a difference. Love to get your thoughts as we continue the broadcast on this Friday. Still to come, we'll have a little bit of fun with the whole Taylor Swift thing. It just blows my mind how some people can really lose sight of reality and give more importance to people who frankly do not matter. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program on this Friday. You know, there are some things, and and I've talked about this before, how we've reached a point where there's so much silliness that has dominated our political landscape. There's a book. In fact, I need, I keep telling myself, I've got to reread this book because it's a really good one. I strongly recommend it to you. My friend Josh Charles recommended this years ago. It's called Amusing Ourselves to Death. I really think this is a significant part of our political process now. It's entertainment. It really is entertainment. I I kind of look at it the way I view the way under the Roman Empire where they threw Christians to the lions and watch this for entertainment. This is really the same kind of thing. You know, we watch people go after other people for their political views and their efforts to cancel this person or that person. And especially when it comes to celebrities, these are people who are really profoundly inconsequential. I'm not saying they don't have an influence, but it's kind of silly how trivial this has become case in point are you ready for this james carville offered some colorful analysis of conservatives who believe let me just stop here these are not conservatives these are the new maybe i need to come up with a new phrase for these people I would call them populist progressives. Ooh, I like that. Populist progressives. They're not conservatives. People believe Joe Biden's campaign is arranging for Taylor Swift to endorse the president ahead of this year's presidential election. Additionally, some on the right have claimed the Super Bowl will be rigged in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs. And they're tied in Travis Kelsey, who is dating Swift. Now, Swift endorsed Biden back in 2020. She's not weighed in yet, but we know who she's going to support. During Wednesday's edition of AC360, guest host John Berman played clips of Fox News hosts, either floating the theory or urging Swift not to endorse Biden and ask the famous Democratic strategist for his thoughts. I want you first to hear... This is just a sampling of some of the conversation on the Fox News channel. I mean, you almost have to wonder if these people really believe this stuff. Uh, But listen up. Here's Fox News on the Taylor Swift conspiracy. So is Swift a front for a covert political agenda? Primetime obviously has no evidence. If we did, we'd share it. But we're curious. 
because the pop star who endorsed Biden is urging millions of her followers to vote. A single post of hers led to 35,000 new registrants. That's persuadable power. And this administration is locked dead set on harnessing that. Why alienate the, your, the, your fans, the Swifties? You know, they come across from every political ideology. Oh, my gosh. They're actually putting time and energy into this. Taylor Swift. I thought people you know, were supposed to vote, Vince. I thought that was our, you know, uh, civic duty was for everybody that is uh, a citizen to get out there and vote, right? Yeah, and here's the the crazy thing about it. Rather than complaining about what somebody else is doing to get people out, why don't you figure out how to get your voters out? That's really the question here. So rather than trying to get people to the polls, register some new voters, um, we're instead going to have people complaining that she is supporting Joe Biden. I mean... <laughs> Well, this they can is... counter with Kid Rock, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go, Kid Rock. Great plan. I have to admit, now, I, obviously, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a fan politically of James Carville. But, you know, the reason James Carville is around is because he's hilarious. He is absolutely hilarious. So he was asked by John Berman what he thinks of all of this and whether this is just ridiculously bad strategy on the part of Republicans. Here was his response. You know, I don't think there's anything strategic about this. I think these, I think most of these people are sexually inadequate and they go for all this crazy stuff. And I don't think, and it's nothing strategic about something not stupid. It's, it's just real stupidity to, to believe something like that. And she seems to me, I don't, I'm not very familiar with her, her generation. She seems like a, a, a really nice person, kind of well, well raised and, and, you know, gives the people at work for like $100,000 bonuses. What's that not to like about Miss Swift? I have no idea. I don't, I don't even get the memo. Do you think it'll blow up in their face? If all this stuff hadn't blown up yet, I don't know if their face is blown offable, but it's massively entertaining to watch people this stupid go public. I, 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 you know, I can't, honestly, John, I can't get enough of it. I mean, I, come on, you can't be that dumb, can you? <laughs> this is absolutely entertaining. I, again, I go back to what I said earlier this week. Remember, we talked about some of the new polling data that's come out. And where is it showing weakness for the Republican candidate, as in Donald Trump? It's women, especially suburban women. So the question is, how can these people be won over? So rather than trying to tear down somebody like Taylor Swift, why not try to figure out how you can shore up your own candidate? And really, the responsibility is his. This is not about surrogates. No one will be a better spokesperson for any candidate than the candidate himself or herself. My perspective, anyway. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Friday. Hope you have a great weekend planned here. And it might be further facilitated by perhaps a piece of good news. What am I talking about? Well, you know what today is? February 2nd. That tradition that we all look forward to on this day. A weather prediction for the months ahead in February. So what is the prognostication this year? Breitbart reports the choice is clear as always. If the four-legged sage emerges from his burrow and sees a shadow, winter will continue for six weeks. If he doesn't, an early spring is on its way. So today, the verdict is in, and guess what? It's going to be spring! I like the sound of that. The prediction came like most February 2nds in the past 137 years as tens of thousands of people gathered at Gobbler's Knob to hear the celebrated groundhog make his prediction. CBS News reports he emerged before 7.30 a.m. to show the world what to expect for the rest of winter. Phil largely favors predicting six more weeks of winter, so this year's prediction of an early spring, that's unusual. UPI reports Phil saw his shadow for the past three years and called for a prolonged winter. This followed 2019 and 20 when Phil called for spring to arrive early. First time the groundhog predicted an early spring in back-to-back years. So maybe that'll put a smile on your face and the fact that the weather actually looks pretty good for a change. I'm debating, especially with the temperatures out there, whether it makes any sense to go anywhere further south this weekend as I did last weekend, because the temperature's not much warmer. It's in the 70s at a couple of the places I was considering um, heading off to. So, I mean, the only thing that you're going to benefit from is the beach, which is a good thing. So I don't know. Time will tell. All right. Let us take a look at the day in history, shall we? Taking a look at this February 2nd. And uh, Thomas, how are you today? I'm doing well, doing well. Glad to hear the news from Phil. And uh, yeah, I can't confirm looking out of the studios here. It's nice and sunny. So it's going to be like 65 degrees when I get out of here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. We go back to 1852, and um, the first facility of its type opened up in London, as in London, England, 1852. It's, how shall I describe this? Well, I guess I would say that it probably was a big deal because a lot of people don't like to do this away from home. Uh, They don't like to take care of uh, the call of nature. Is it a public restroom? Yes. Wow. 1852. Probably had to pay for it then, too, over there. (laughs) It may have been one of those premium items. We already had an American League. 
I believe. So 1876, baseball has the founding of this. The National League? 1876. Uh, This one is an easy one. The first event of its type observed in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, context clues here. Uh, the Groundhog Day celebration, whatever, Groundhog whatever they call it. Day. Yes, indeed. It seems like it should have more of a formal name for how you know ceremonial it is. You know. Yeah, you you would kind of wonder about this. Also, one. Spencer here is on the line, and he wants to talk about uh, Groundhog Day being a ruse. But we can get to him after this day in history. That's a great idea. Great idea. 1897, Alfred Kral patents the first ice cream scoop. 1913, Grand Central Terminal opened up in New York City. 1971, do you remember this notorious character? Idi Amin. He took power in Uganda. Uh, For those who don't know, he was most known for allegedly eating people. Not a pleasant thought. And 1979, Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols died of a drug overdose. That's a look at the day in history. So, all right, Spencer, take it away. Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole uh, February 2nd thing? Okay, from February 2nd, you count six weeks, you'll land on March 15th. Now, the vernal equinox is spring, and that's March 19th. So if the groundhog sees his shadow, spring comes early because it's on the 15th instead of the 19th. A whole week, regularly. Huh? <laughs> yeah, regularly, spring comes on the nineteenth, which is the vernal equinox. So, Groundhog Day is a ruse. You know, I wonder how much money is associated with this. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen any stories on the commerce and everything associated with this up in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's certainly publicity. I wonder if there's much money involved in this. Is my question. Bunch of money. You think so? Okay. Oh, yeah. By the way, have you seen the movie? Uh, have you ever been? Have you ever been to uh, uh, the celebration at, uh, um, you know, pulling that groundhog out of the hole? I've not, not in person. No, I've not. It is so much money going around. It's pathetic. Really? That is. Yeah, they have tourists come in by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Wow. That is kind of interesting. So uh, it will be kind of interesting. I, I need to do a little bit of research on this and figure out how much money uh, this puts into the city's coffers, especially uh, like this one. This is falling on a weekend. So anybody who's there for this, surely they're going to stay and spend time over the weekend and spend money. Spencer, very much appreciate your call. I leave you. you with another bizarre story. How many of you... Um, uh, I'll ask you, Tommy. First, do you ever did you ever play those games where you have those claw machines to get a toy? You ever played those? Those are kind of uh, you know difficult. I don't I don't think I've ever won. But get a load of this. In Australia, police had to come to the aid of a three-year-old boy after he became trapped inside a claw machine. At a shopping mall. Now, video of this very unusual rescue was shared on social media by Queensland police. It showed the toddler sitting inside the glass-walled box filled with plush toys 
blissfully unaware of his predicament. I mean, you, you think of this now. If you're a parent, you're probably panicking. You know, my child is stuck inside this thing. But the reality is this kid is like, oh, <laughs> playtime. And, and probably thinking all these toys are mine right now. The boy's father, Timothy Hopper, said his son had disappeared into the claw machine's prize dispenser and found himself inside it in a split second. I had zero chance to react to it. It was unbelievable how fast he climbed up there. The video then shows the officers and the boy's parents encouraging him into a safe corner of the back of the machine and to cover his eyes while the police shatter a glass panel to free him unharmed. And, of course, the video ends with one of the officers joking with the boy, you want a prize. Which one do you want? My goodness. Pretty amusing, for sure. That's all of our broadcasts of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Friday. Have yourselves a great weekend, and God bless you. Adios.